0: In 1977, my family and I came from Australia to the west coast of the United States where I was doing graduate studies, so we came on a student visa. Later on, we got what was called legal alien visa. I don't know what they call it now, but back in the 70s, it was called legal alien. But I was not a citizen of the United States. As a non-citizen, I lived in America, but I did not have any of the rights and the privileges. I did not have any of the benefits that those who are citizens of the United States have enjoyed. For example, I could be deported, or the government could take away from me that resident alien card. I could not vote. I could not run for political office. Not that I ever thought about it, but I could not do it. I could not be protected by the U.S. embassies abroad as I traveled. But in 1984, I became a citizen of the United States. And on that day, all of the privileges and all of the benefits that those who have been born in this country, who are citizens of this country, became mine, with one exception, one Very, very important exception. I'm going to tell you about it at the end of the message. No, it is not running for President of the United States. (laughs) But when I became a citizen, I received all these benefits that citizenship can offer me. I could come and go easily without visas and without special permission. I could live abroad or I could live in the United States. I could get the US Embassy's protection when I travel abroad. I could never be deported as a citizen of this country. I can run for any political office except that of president, and that's not my problem, that's Schwarzenegger's problem. <laughs> They'll have to change the laws for him. But above all, I could vote for the candidate of my choice. What difference that citizenship made? What difference? What benefits I've received when I became a citizen? I can live in the United States or I can live abroad. It makes no difference because where I'm living is not the issue. The issue is what citizenship do I hold? And beloved, I want to tell you that in the spiritual realm, This is in a very similar way, in far greater way, of course, the Apostle Paul tells us that there were some who were near to Christ, namely the Jewish people, who by virtue of the covenant and by virtue of their expectations of the coming Messiah, they were near to Christ. But then there were those who were far the Gentiles, the pagans, who had no idea about the expectation of the Messiah to be coming. They have no idea of the blessings that the Messiah is going to bring that the Jewish people knew. And yet, both groups, Jews who are near, Gentiles who are far, could not have the heavenly citizenship without Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. The Jews were like the resident aliens but the Gentiles were like the aliens who were still living abroad. Neither were citizens. Neither had the benefits of the citizenship. Neither have enjoyed the glories of being part of a citizenship of heaven. And I want you to hear me right on this one. Whether you're a church member or you're so far away from God, it makes no difference because the Word of God said that both of you have to come through Christ in order to become citizens of heaven. We had begun a series of messages entitled, Discover Your Treasure House. Your Treasure House from the book of Ephesians. And if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if He is the Savior and Lord of your life, then you have a treasure house. And the problem that we all get into is when we forget what our treasure house is all about. And today I want to tell you about all of the benefits of that treasure house. According to Ephesians chapter 2, there are at least 10 benefits that you derive from the treasure house that is yours simply because of your connection to Christ. And I want to go through them very quickly first, and then I'm going to unpack them later on. First, benefit number one. We were resurrected from sin and death. This is in verses 1 to 3. The second benefit is that we are lovingly being transformed from death to life. Verse 4. Then we are given a life, verse 5. Number 4, we were given a purpose for living. Number 5, we were given a work to do in order that we may be fulfilled. Benefit number 6, we were given a heavenly citizenship, verse 11. Number 7, we were given a heavenly ID card. Verses 12 and 13. Benefit number 8. We are given daily refuge and peace. Verses 14 to 17. Number 9. We were given new loving family. Verses 18 and 19. And finally, number 10. We are given a solid home. Verses 20 to 21. Number 1. Paul said the first benefit we got is that we were resurrected from sin and death. Beloved, listen to me. There are a lot of confusion going around. You know, the biggest lie I think in the whole universe, and it's not just in this country, but as I travel the globe, the one big lie that permeates all religions of the world, except the Christian faith, says that if you're a good man or a good woman, you're going to heaven. That's the biggest lie. It's the modern equivalent of Satan deceiving Adam and even the garden. That if you're a good person, you're going to heaven. No, every one of us were born with our spirits inside of us are dead. That's what Paul said, not half dead, dead. We cared more about ourselves than God or anybody else for that matter. And of course, this is a figure of speech. What do you mean by the spirit is dead? He's still alive. You're moving around. Yeah, if you remember in the book of Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son, and there The father said of his son who returned, he said, this son of mine was dead, but now he's alive. He said he was alive. He was rebellious, yes, but his spirit was dead. And as far as heaven was concerned, he was dead. The condition of every human being before he or she came to Jesus Christ is that of spiritual death. Everyone who lives today without Jesus Christ is living in spiritual death condition. Before Christ we were blind to his glory, before Christ we were deaf to his voice. Before Christ, we were as unresponsive to God as a corpse. Let me tell you something of uttermost importance here. Most Americans don't like to think they've given something for nothing. We all want to feel that we worked for what we got. We have to earn what we, we have to, and that's wonderful. I paid for my own education because I'm like that too. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you something. (laughs) When it comes to your salvation, I am sorry to disappoint you. You do not work for your salvation. It is given to you. God did it all. All you need to do is stretch your hand and take it. Paul said that we were dead, not half dead, not fainting, but dead. Dead, dead, dead. We, dead spirit, cannot respond. And God breathed in us. How can a dead person do anything? I remember somebody said, you know, to my understanding, the Christian faith is God did his part and I've got to do my part. No, that's a good American thing, but it's not a biblical thing. That's not what the Bible said. The first benefit. Is that He raised us from our spiritual death with which we are born. The second benefit is that we were lovingly transformed. Look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us. Listen to me by nature and by desire and by inclination, we offended God. Whether you think you did or you didn't, it doesn't matter. We have. As far as God is concerned, there is no big sin and a small sin. Every sin is an offense to God. And the offended person is the only one who could have mercy and give forgiveness. Let me illustrate this to you. If a drunk driver drives and kills a child... No matter how many times he looks at the parents in the eye and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The only way this offending person can establish relationship with the offended parents is when they give him forgiveness. And God who was offended by our rejecting of Him, by our ignoring of Him, the God who was offended by our defying of Him, not only forgave us, but He died for us. Third benefit, that we were given a life. Verse 5. You know how the kids always tell us, to get a life? <laughs> when they say, get a life, I said, hey, I got a life. I have a life. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, God made us alive with Christ. I've got a life. When you come to Jesus Christ in confession and in repentance and inviting him to really be the master of your life, to be the Lord of your life, and not just to fire insurance and save you from hell, but to really live under his authority. He gives you, at that moment, a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation, really more like spirit-to-spirit resuscitation, because your spirit is dead. And you need his spirit to revive you. And that's what he did. (laughs) He breathed life into you. He breathed life into your dead spirit and into my dead spirit. And at that point, for the first time in your life and in my life, we became sensitive toward God. Fourth benefit. We were given a purpose for living. Verses 6 to 9. The life that he breathed in us, that awakened our dead spirits, has a purpose. What is that purpose? Purpose. That we may live in this life in your office tomorrow morning and for the rest of the week in your neighborhood, in your school or wherever you are. That you may live in this life as representative of your heavenly citizenship. It's your permanent home. That's your permanent citizenship. And you have to live in this life as an ambassador of Jesus Christ representing your heavenly home. But why? Because... He has already seated us in the heavenly places. We saw that in the last message. We see it again in chapter 2. You know, you may be living in this city or any city around the world, but as far as God is concerned, if you are in Christ Jesus, He sees you seated in the heavenly places. You have a place in heaven, and He sees where you're sitting. Right now, right at this very moment, you might be walking the earth, but you're seated in the heavens. And therefore, we are representative of our citizenship of heaven. You know, C.S. Lewis got so tired of people criticizing Christians by saying they are so heavenly-minded, they are of no earthly good. And so one day he said, you know, study history. Examine the evidence. You're going to find that only those who are heavenly-minded have been of any earthly good. (laughs) Benefit number five, we were given... Work to do. We were given a job to fulfill us. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now listen to me. No and a million no to the notion that good work, no matter how spectacular it may be, no matter how sacrificial it may be, no matter how great it may be, can produce salvation. It is an impossibility. But yes and a million yes for salvation gives you good work to do. And God has a job for every one of His children. Any one of His children who is not exercising his or her spiritual gift, any one of His children who is not... Spending time and speaking on behalf of Christ in their environment, wherever they may be, any one of his children who's not testifying, any one of his children who are not giving of themselves on a regular basis, let me tell you something, they are simply lazy. When you refuse to exercise the work that God has given you, you are saying to God, I don't care what gift you've given me, I don't care what you call me to do, but I am not going to do it. Imagine the heart of God. Imagine the heart of God watching one of his children spend 24 hours of their life on self. Imagine the heart of God. Every human being on the face of the earth was created by God. Listen, it is God who creates babies in the wombs of their moms. God is the creator. Not only that, Paul is telling us that those who are in Jesus Christ are recreated by God. They are recreated by Jesus Christ. Their spirit is being remolded by Him. They are reshaped and refashioned in their hearts by Him. They are recreated in their minds so they can think thoughts after God. It's like the two guys who are talking about a man who is mean-spirited and loveless, and yet he was so successful from a worldly point of view. And those two guys were talking about this person. They said, you know, he is really a self-made man. And the other said, yeah, no wonder he looks and lives like his creator. God created you physically, and then he created you spiritually. Why? So that you may accomplish his call on your life. God has a call on every one of you. It's not just the ministers and those who involve in ministry. No, no, no. God has a call for every one of his sons and daughters. What is it? To know him and make him known. To know him and to make him known. Benefit number six. I'm moving fast. We are given a heavenly citizenship. As I said earlier, unless you've really been through it, sometimes you take it for granted. You don't understand it. That's citizenship. Of heaven. Every one of us born separated from God, alienated from God. The Gentiles, of course, were further away from God because they did not know much about the promises of God in the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, there are promises. Page after page, the Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah's coming, it's coming, he's coming, he's coming. The whole Old Testament. And, and the faithful ones were waiting for him, and when Jesus appeared, they believed in him. They were considered, by virtue of the Abrahamic covenant, near. Oh, but the, still, the Gentiles and the Jews, near or far, could not get the citizenship of heaven. No one can. Not then, not now, unless they come to Jesus Christ. He's the only one who can give them that citizenship of heaven. While the Gentiles were like alien residents who resided outside of the United States, and the Jewish people are like the local residents, but neither of them had citizenship, although one was nearer than the other. It's like attempting to jump a half a mile river from bank to bank. And if I try, I'll probably make five feet. But still, the rest of the half mile, I can't make it. One of you athletes, because you have athletic abilities and, and your strength, you might make it 20 feet. But neither of us are on the other side. Because only Jesus Christ can carry you across that half a mile bridge. Only Jesus Christ can take you both, whether you're far or whether you're near, and take you all the way to the other side of the bank. Only Christ can carry you across the river. Only Christ can give you heavenly citizenship. Benefit number seven. He gave us a new ID card. Verse 13. But in Christ Jesus, you who were far, he brought near. I can tell you with conviction that sin causes all sorts of strife and enmity and hatred and suspicion and bitterness and fighting and war and all kinds of conflicts. And the only permanent solution to hatred and suspicion is the removal of sin. How? By the shed blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And that is why our new ID card that handed to us when we came to Christ, it's stamped with the blood of Jesus Christ. Without that stamp of blood, it is a fake ID. And a lot of people running around with fake IDs now. But that ID card will not only take you to heaven, but it will give you victory over every sin, every time, now, here, and now. Number eight, he's given us daily refuge and peace. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace. Whenever you find strife between husband and wife, between two brothers in Christ, between two sisters in Christ, You're going to find that it is because Jesus is not reigning and ruling supreme over the relationship. It's because sin has entered in and took the place of Christ. Paul knows what he's talking about because he was giving us illustration of the historic enmity between Jews and Gentiles. And it was so incredible, I can't even describe it to you in the limitation of time. But when Jesus Christ reigns supreme, all hatred, all prejudice, all revenge, all antagonism, all strife will cease. Why? Because He is our peace. And that is why there can be no peace without the reign of Jesus Christ over your life, and the life of your family, and the life of your community. Someone may say, well, Michael, you don't understand I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, and my spouse is a Christian, but our home is a war zone. Very simply put, I can tell you, and I'll go to the math on this, you, my friend, have allowed sin to control you. You have allowed sin to dominate your life. You have allowed sin to separate you. And when Sin dominates. You're going to find, according to the Word of God, that the Holy Spirit is in a corner somewhere, maybe a corner of your heart or a corner of your house, grieving. You know, in the Jewish temple, there was a sign. And that's what Paul is talking about here. It read as follows. No Gentile may enter in. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to be blamed for his ensuing death. That's how serious that enmity was. Now, beloved, listen to me. There are so many homes and there are so many hearts and there are so many lives on which there is a sign hanging. No one can enter. No wonder so many people are living in isolation. But when Jesus Christ, who is our peace, when he comes in, peace and unity will reign supreme. Number nine. We were given a new family, verses 18 and 19. You see, when Jesus Christ abolished the enmity between us and His Father, He did not only abolish that enmity, He also abolished the enmity between believers in Jesus Christ, regardless of their background and race. Thus He formed one whole new heavenly family. With God as our Father... And our brothers and sisters in Christ have heavenly blood running through their veins. We become a family. And that is why Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 18, he says, when you have an offense against your brother, you go to him. You go to her. Why? Because you're a family. We're a family. And if Jesus is presiding over his family, then peace must reign supreme. Listen, you don't have to agree on everything. That's not what he's saying here. But your love is going to transcend your disagreement even. Number 10. Tenth benefit is that we were given a new home. Verses 20 to 22. A home where Christ himself is the foundation. How many of you know that without a foundation, a house is worthless? Without Jesus Christ, the house is worthless. That we were given that house where Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He is the one over whom the building hangs. And then the walls and the roof and everything else made of the New Testament and the Old Testament. The prophets and the apostles. And that's what Paul intending here. A home where the truth of the word of God reigns supreme above feelings and emotions. Now I come to the point that I made very early in The message that for those people who are born overseas and become citizens of the United States, they have all the privileges and all of the benefits of citizens who are born in this country, except one. Except one. It is very important. There is one place where the U.S. citizenship cannot help you if you are an immigrant to this country. And that is if you go back to your home country and the country of your birth. There, they view you as their citizen, even if you have six American passports. Beloved, listen to me. There is a spiritual implication here. And the spiritual implication is this. Whenever you deliberately go back to sin and rebellion, Whenever you deliberately go back to carnality and disobedience, whenever you deliberately go back into Satan's territory from which Jesus Christ saved you, you have taken yourself out of the protection and the covering of your heavenly citizenship. No, no, no. I don't mean that you're not going to be saved. I don't mean that at all. It doesn't mean that you forgo your citizenship, heavenly citizenship. Not at all. You're still a member of your adopted heavenly country. You're still saved. The Bible does not teach that He strats our names in the book of life with a pencil. Then every time you fail, He takes the eraser and erase your name. No, no, no. Your name is written in the book of life with the blood of Jesus Christ. And you are written, when you're written there, you're written permanently. You're still saved. You're still positionally justified before Christ. But you bring pain upon yourself. You bring agony upon yourself when you deliberately wander away from the benefits of your citizenship. There may be some people here today who are in the wilderness and wandered away from their place of heavenly citizenship. Whatever your reason, whatever got you there, God is not interested in you focusing on that. He's interested in you coming back out of Satan's territory, out of the place of doubt and rebellion, into the place of protection, where your citizenship of heaven is. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org that's l t w dot org